0: Welcome to the Hotel Moment Podcast, presented by Revenate, the podcast where we talk to leaders in the hospitality industry. If you're looking for trends, perspectives, and stories from leaders in travel and hospitality, you're in the right place.
1: Hello and welcome everyone to the Hotel Moment Podcast. I am your host, Karen Stevens, the Chief Revenue Officer of Revenate. And today I am delighted to be joined by Chip Rogers, who is the CEO of the AHLA, which stands for the American Hotel and Lodging Association. Welcome,
0: Chip. Karen, it is so good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'm delighted to have you with me, Chip, because I know uh, in your role, you are a man on the road. So it seems like every time we connect, we are in a different city. So where are you calling in today
0: from, Chip? I am in uh, the great city of Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois.
1: Fantastic. But you are based in Washington, D.C. Is that right?
0: That is correct. But uh, as you noted earlier, my job requires extensive travel. And so most weeks I'm someplace other than Washington D.C. for at least part of the week.
1: Okay, fantastic. Well, I can imagine in your role uh, as CEO of the AHLA, uh, it's a lot of time uh, in different cities, in different markets, making sure that the policies that are there and the and the hoteliers you work with are getting making the most out of out of all of the markets that we operate in. So, on behalf of all of us, thank you for doing all of that travel.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> it can get tiring at times, but for the most part, it's enjoyable. I mean. You know, getting to work in this industry is is really unlike any other, and I know everybody always says this. It's, but the people in this industry are, are truly are the best because to be in hospitality, I do think it takes somewhat of a, of a special outlook on life, and so even under the the toughest of circumstances, especially the things we went through during the pandemic. Just being around hotel people, it, it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy it.
1: Yes, that's right. Well, I, I, I echo those sentiments exactly. Great. Well, I have a lot of questions i love, love to dive in with here, but I want to start with a few personal questions, if that's all right, to get us warmed up. Sure. Okay, so the first question is, when did you start working in the hospitality industry, and do you remember your first day on the job?
0: Well, that's kind of interesting because officially my first step into working in the, in the hotel industry uh, I was a consultant and I was consulting on advocacy related issues. And so I can't really tell you my first day on the job because I don't remember exactly when or how that happened, but I was consulting on, again, advocacy issues, trying to help a uh, hotel owners association with some of the challenges that they were facing in cities and states and even Washington, D.C. And so um, that's what kind of got me into it. But I just don't remember the exact first. Right.
1: Well, and I have yeah. to say, so a lot of times when we do these these questions, I have guests who have been coming up through the hospitality ranks. I think it's important for our, our listeners to understand that you actually came in from a political angle. So, uh, you served six terms as a state senator uh, for Georgia.
0: Well, I actually served five. Got elected six times. Okay. A, a <laughs> yeah, I have a unique political story. When I got into politics, I had made a personal pledge to myself, to no one else, that the day that I no longer wanted to do it, or I just didn't have the fire in the belly, as they say, or the desire that I would willingly um, step aside. And, and that's actually what happened. I won re-election easily and was ready to start my sixth term. And I just realized it wasn't something that I wanted to do any longer. And you know, in those seats, it's, it's not your seat. You represent the people and it's the people's seat, no matter what level of government you're at. And if you're not, able or willing to give 100%, you really need to step aside and let somebody else do it. And I followed through on that. And so I have a little bit of a different exit point on on politics than most. Never lost an election, uh, but just realized that mentally I, I was kind of burned out. And so somebody else ran and won and and they don't hold that seat since that point.
1: Wow. That's really cool. And I think that that's something we can take into any, I mean, I always say that to people on my team as well. If your heart isn't in it anymore, do us all a favor and go find something that your heart is really in. And, and especially if you, as you said, you're an elected official working for the people that's, that's very critical.
0: It's one thing if you're only representing yourself, but when you're representing right. other people, they deserve a hundred percent. And if you're not able to give it, There are a long line of people who are. So you need to step right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great. Very, I love that. All right. Second question What is the most uplifting moment so far in your career? And you've had a vast career. So let's take it with the AHLA. What is your most uplifting moment so far in the current position you're in?
0: Well, there have been so many. You know, during the pandemic, there was a time uh, probably in April or May, you know, if you could of 2020, if you can go back to that point where the hotel industry, had hit rock bottom. I mean, we had occupancy rates that were lower than any time in the history of the industry, far lower than even the great depression. And there was not an end in sight. If you recall that time period, we kept thinking, is this going to be over? Is this going to be over? We, we didn't know. I mean, no one knew about vaccines moving forward or anything like that. And, and it did look very bleak. The whole world had, had come to a stop, uh, especially around travel. and. Uh, we were able to work with our friends in Congress and get the uh, get the PPP passed, the, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. And that was a lifeline to a lot of friends of mine, specifically hotel owners, who I knew them. I knew their families. I knew how much they had, over generations, had put into their businesses. And I knew that without some financial assistance, they would go out of business. They would lose everything that their families had been working on, again, in some cases for generations. So being able to be a part of that, help lead that effort and make that happen was great. But seeing what it did for those hotel owners and how it helped many of them stay in business and save their hotel business, that was the most uplifting part.
1: Wow, that's that's a great one. You know, Revenate serves exclusively the hospitality industry. So, yeah, very familiar with those dark days when all of your customers are shut down. Nobody is able to, you know... It was hard to get bills paid. It was, and we, and you understand the circumstances. And I have to say, the PPP served our company as well. So it wasn't just hospitality. So thank you for that. It, I think a lot of businesses <laughs> were able to hang on and keep their employees, which was uh, a really big deal. A really big deal.
0: So that's well. Look, and, and and you know, it's sometimes important to remember. I'm, like I said, I'm sitting right here in Chicago, and there's a there's a hotel here, and I'm familiar with a lot of the the numbers that go on around these hotels. But one of the hotels here, they pay. $38,000 a day just in property taxes. That doesn't even begin to cover, you know, whatever debt they have, the employees, the power, any of that. And when you don't have any customers, you have no revenue coming in, it's hard to maintain paying those type of bills. And so there was a real threat that many of these hotels would go out of business.
1: Wow. That's uh, unimaginable. That's hard to even wrap your brain around. So, wow, that's a big one. Okay, so the third question for you. What is the most striking experience so far for you personally in terms of food, a stay, a holiday, a personal vacation you've taken? And I know this is hard. You serve all of the U.S. So <laughs> is there something that stands out maybe internationally? <laughs>
0: so. You know, I've, uh, I've been blessed in my career, uh, both before getting into this and, of course, during this, my time here, to get to travel to some of the world's greatest destinations. Obviously in my role at HLA, 99% of that travel is domestic. So I I have now visited 47 states and every major city in the US multiple times. But as I look back at just my life, even before getting into this role, I think the most memorable trip that I took was, uh, I had an eight day trip to Israel and it was sponsored by a well-known, I won't give his name here, but a well-known American, Businessman who had built a globally recognized brand. And his goal was at that time was to increase and to help facilitate relationships between the United States and Israel so that we could learn from each other. And so the trip was set up in ways that we would learn all about Israeli government, culture, everything, technology. And that was so amazing to me. It's a beautiful country. Uh, and I recommend anyone who ever has a chance to go there. Some say it's the home to three major religions. And how that is woven into everyday society and how in that part of the world, there are certain challenges that we don't necessarily recognize here in the U.S. And how you live through that on a day-to-day basis. It's really interesting. It was probably the most impactful trip, personally impactful trip that I've ever taken. And so I usually point to that one as the one that kind of stands out amongst all the others.
1: Certainly. Well, you're never going to forget that one. I mean, it sounds really phenomenal. That's really cool. Love it with the culture, too. Okay, so how have you met any celebrities while you've been, you know, working in the industry? Probably a ton, but <laughs> does anyone come to mind?
0: Well, I had the chance to meet most of the more recent presidents. Uh, president Obama well, I met prior to getting this role George W. Bush, then President Obama, President Trump, and President Biden. I've not actually met President Biden while he's president, I met him while he was vice president and in the US Senate. But yeah, I mean, they're all fairly well known. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, you, you do get the chance to meet, especially in my line of work, folks at the highest levels when it comes to government. Uh, but you also get to meet other famous people occasionally. But, you know, I'll, I'll focus on those as being the most well-known, popular, I don't know, popular or not. Yeah. You know, the most well-known people. I,
1: I asked this question to ever all of my guests, and I think you win. I think you win so yeah. far. <laughs> So, and Obama is always the top of my list. So, wow, that's great. That's great. Okay, and then the last question for you. Who are the women at work you have been most inspired by?
0: Oh, wow. It's interesting because I, I kind of look at and have had the just incredible opportunity in life to hire lots of people. And I get questions a lot about, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. We at HLA have a ton of resources going into that. But then I look back at my own life, and I'm like, "What have I done? Like, how would have been my hiring practices, and particularly around women? I I have found not because I made a concerted effort to do so, just because I always try to hire the best person. I've actually hired far more women than I have men, and I don't. That's just a function of the candidates that came forth for these jobs. So as I look around and look back, like who are the people that you know that I've hired and worked with? I, I think would be even better." that have made such positive impact, and there's a ton of them. Two people come to mind. One is a lady I worked with for many years by the name of Rachel Humphrey, probably one of the hardest, not problem, the hardest working person i ever worked with, one of the smartest people I've ever worked with, totally principled, and just a joy to be around and know that you're working with someone at that level that's capable of so many amazing things. And then right now, I actually have the honor and the joy of having our uh, chairperson be Leslie Hale, who was the CEO of RLJ Lodging and uh, just an incredibly inspiring person handling her CEO role and a mother of four and doing work at a level and an intensity that is quite rare. And, and it's inspiring to be around people like that because they help raise you to a new level.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I love what you said at the top there because I, you know, again, question I asked to everybody and it, it's so Wonderful to think that we're at a place now, I think for a lot of companies, uh, where it is about the person, the candidate that you're looking at, and regardless of gender, where they come from, background, it's about the person themselves, their merits, and what they bring to the table. So
0: that's great. Well, look, I, I've been blessed with four children, two, two boys, two girls. And I look at the four and I say, I don't want them to ever get a job that they don't deserve, but I don't want them to ever be precluded from getting a job that they could deserve. And that's just the way I look at life. It's like, like, are you the best candidate? Are you going to help us? Are you going to make, are you going to help advance whatever it is we're trying to work on? And, right. you know, if you can, come on board. If you can't, you'll be a better fit somewhere else.
1: Exactly. Great. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. So let's dive in here. Before we get right into the topics, I did want to start with your role at uh, with HALA. Could you give me a little bit more information about what your experience has been like as a CEO? You mentioned a lot of travel, but what does your day-to-day look like when you're doing all of the work across the 47 states and all the the major
0: capitals? So no day ever comes close to looking the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we represent the entire industry. So that's from hotel owners, to hotel brands, to management companies, and to all the companies, and, and even like Cornell Hotel School, the dean of the school is on my board. So we represent the educational interest of the industry as well. And then all of the vendors who sell goods and services. So there's a, there's a lot of people that are impacted by what happens in the hotel industry every day. Our main role at AHLA is to simply be the, the voice of the industry to help protect it and help promote it. We do that two ways through AHLA, which is mainly focused on advocacy at the city level, the state level, and the federal level. And then through our AHLA Foundation, which is mainly focused on those who work in our industry and providing all the way starting with educational scholarships to people who are in hospitality schools to get them to come into our industry, to job training, to an apprenticeship program, to certification, working on all these things to help support those who make our industry very special. And so we kind of look at it from from two different angles. And so, you know, my day-to-day is somewhere on that spectrum, right? I could be talking to the mayor of a city one day and then working, you know, with a vendor who's trying to get more involved in the hotel industry on the next day and everything in between. And so, like I said, there's no day that ever looks the same. And the breadth of what I work with every day—it's pretty broad. So it's—it's not—it's definitely not a narrow uh, set of interests.
1: Wow, that is a lot when you think about the full scope. And you know, I think we're we're early into 2023. But one trend I've been noticing a lot—I don't know if you call it a trend—I think it's a a different way that we're approaching a hospitality is a real focus on sustainability. So could you talk a little bit about, I know you have a responsible stay program that you're sponsoring from the AHLA. What is that? And how does it impact hoteliers? And how do, how should we think about sustainability in 2023?
0: You know, I think about it really through a couple of different lenses. And first is what should we be doing as a member in the hotel industry, as a member of general society? I mean, how are we making a positive difference? And I think when you look through that lens, Um, there are things that we can do better though. I will say the industry has done a lot of really good things. The second thing is, and this is the core of running any business. What do your customers want? What do the consumers want? And increasingly, and we, we actually track this increasingly consumers that stay in hotels say, we want to know that the operations of the hotel are being done in a sustainable way. And so our role today in Chile is to say, how can we set industry-wide standards that everyone can achieve and almost set a baseline that others can go above and beyond that. But we wanna create a, a unified, clearly understood baseline so that consumers know no matter what hotel I go to, they're following at least these practices and many hotels brands will go above and beyond that. And so that's what we're doing with Responsible Stay is really uniting the industry around a set of standards. We're early on in the process, it, it will take a while, but Every hotel structurally is different. Like the hotel I'm sitting in right now is different than the hotel. I can see about five of them outside my window here, but it's different from the, the other ones down the street, but the operations are generally the same. And so how do you make sure that you're operationally doing the things and taking the steps to have a, a sustainable product for your guest and make as little negative impact as possible?
1: So, Another big topic, I know that you know we mentioned the pandemic earlier and the the impact that that had on hospitality. and I think kind of the hangover we still have from that is the the labor shortage, although I think we've seen some improvements, but what are what are you seeing out there across the industry? And I know you also had some initiatives to help with that from a political standpoint. So can you talk a little bit about labor, how you feel about that today? Is there any, you know what's happening on the horizon that might be more positive? Anything that you can give us on that on that front?
0: no question the single biggest challenge the industry is facing and has faced for quite some time it's, it's always important to remind people that this is not a just a pandemic generated challenge though the pandemic made it much much worse prior to the pandemic at the end of 2019 industry-wide and that includes direct hotel jobs and hotel related jobs we're about 900,000 people short in our industry then along comes the pandemic As we noted earlier, occupancy drops off to, I think the low is around 14% at one point. And a vast majority of employees in the United States in our industry, direct hotel employees, were either laid off or had their hours cut severely. And so that was kind of the backdrop for many people looking to leave the industry. Now we've built back up. Now the industry does look a little bit different because the consumer mix is, is, is definitely weighted more towards leisure travel as opposed to to business travel. But the jobs have come back, the opportunities are there. And again, it it does look a little bit different. But the systemic problem of not having enough workers is still plaguing our industry and many other industries. And so we look at this in two different ways. One, how do we get a larger share of the pie, and the pie being the number of available workers in the United States? How How do we encourage more of those people to come into our industry? Well, one, wages are at the highest level they've ever been at historically in our industry highest wage level ever and it's much different we sometimes get lumped into with restaurants particularly fast service restaurants and we love those folks (laughs) and they're great they're all part of a larger hospitality industry but hotel wages are so much different than that the average wage in the u.s now for hotel workers over 23 dollars an hour then you look at benefits and flexibility and the things that have changed during the pandemic are significant in and around benefits and flexibility but the one thing i like to point out most often is about opportunity. Because so many people left the industry, it means that a lot of those positions, even leadership positions, are still open and available. And so if you're looking to build a career and move up the ladder really fast, right now is unquestionably the best time to do it in the hotel industry. And so that's our effort on getting a larger share of the pie. The second part of that is how do we make the pie larger? How do we have more available workers in the United States? Well, there's only really one way to do that in the short term unless less People are going to to start having a lot more children, and that is having people who want to work in the U.S. come to the U.S. and work. And and that can be done in two ways, one, through a guest worker program or two, through having people immigrate here. And so we're working in in both ways to expand the guest worker program that is really, really limited right now. It probably only meets about 10 percent of the actual demand. Um, and, And it's important to remind people, guest workers, that's not immigration. People that come here and work for a brief period of time, maybe a season or so at a resort, and then go back home. Those people are not immigrating to the U.S. They're coming here to to fill a need, and the need is dramatic. And and I think we should do a lot more of that when we work towards those ends. Perfect example. Right now, there are people in the United States that are here seeking asylum. And whether you agree or disagree with our asylum law, that's not really the issue. They're legally here under U.S. law, or at least under a, a court order, and they're seeking asylum. Right now, there are a lot of those folks who want to work in hotels, and maybe they're actually staying or living in a hotel right now, but our law prevents them from doing so, which doesn't really make any sense whatsoever. And so we're working on some legislation with Senator Collins to say, how can we shorten that time period? Right now, they oftentimes have to wait up to six months before they can legally start working. How can we get that down to 30 days so they can fill a need and do what they want to do? The second part of that is, legal immigration, is there a way to create a system, and we believe there is, that when there is a high demand for workers, like there is right now and has been for quite some time, that more people can legally immigrate through the right process and right pathways into the United States. And then when there's less of a demand, that you can restrict the number of people coming into the U.S. because there's just not the demand. And so it's not that tough. Like, this system can be set up quite easily. The question is, is there the political will to do so? And we certainly support people on both sides of the aisle that see that a properly functioning immigration system that meets the economic demands of the United States is really important. We polled Democrats and Republicans right after the last election. Strangely enough, in a world where almost no issue do Democrats and Republicans agree on, they, on a a widespread basis, agree on this issue, and that is a lack of workers is hurting the economy of the United States. I mean, at the end of the day, gross domestic product is real simple to calculate. It's the number of workers times their productivity. Well, in the U.S. right now, productivity has dropped coming out of the pandemic. That's unfortunate. We've got to fix that. But the number of workers dropping is even worse, and that's easily fixable. And so we need more workers.
1: Right. And common sense legislation. I mean, that that's what I hear you saying. You know, it's like we have to... Quit being so polarized and, you know, on the on the far extremes and get to the middle, which for me is common sense, whether you're Republican or Democrat or wherever you as you mentioned, wherever you stand on on immigration. But think about what really happens in the economy. And I can
0: give you one perfect example, because I think this is uh, this highlights exactly how absurd the last 20. We haven't had major reform since since President Clinton. But right now there are tens of thousands of people in the United States from other countries that are being educated, and in most cases being educated at publicly supported, taxpayer supported public schools. Under current law, for most of them, the day they graduate, they're required, or, or soon thereafter, they're required to return back to their home country, even if they wanna stay here and work. And these are people in fields that where we need help, engineers and scientists. Does it really make sense that the American taxpayer subsidizes their education, and then we send them away so they can go work in another country to compete against us. It honestly makes no sense at all. Now, the problem is politically is if you put that legislation on the floor, it would pass, no question about it. But there are a lot of people in Congress that say, well, I don't wanna do that unless I get the full comprehensive plan that that fixes everything. We gotta stop looking at challenges that way. Let's fix what we can fix today, and let's work on what we can't fix today, Let's work on that for tomorrow. But these simple things we need to fix right now.
1: Yeah. And so how, so Chip, how do people get involved? I mean, how do, how does the, you know, someone who's listening to this podcast, what's the best way to make sure that, that your voice is heard. If you agree with this viewpoint, what do you suggest?
0: Well, for us in our industry, we have a software called Hotels Act. If you just go to hotelsact.org, it's free. It takes about 90 seconds to sign up. And what it does, it's a really simple program. Every time there's an issue that's impacting the hotel industry, Once you sign up for this, we know who your member of Congress is. We know who your member of your state legislature is. And if one of those issues arise, we'll send you a message that says, hey, this is important. We'll pre-populate the message. And you just have to click yes. And it goes to your member of Congress or to your member of the state legislature from you. But it's a message that we create for you. That's a way that the industry can have a fully unified message on the things that matter. Going beyond just the industry, I always tell people that it's, it's actually a pretty simple thing. I call it adopt a politician, but find somebody in your local community, whether it's your member of Congress, your local mayor, a member of your city council, somebody on the school board, just somebody in elected office and build a relationship with them. Go to them and say, hey, I work in this industry. Hopefully it's the hotel industry, but even if it's not, just say, I work in this industry. I know that what you do impacts my industry. And I know what my industry does probably impacts you. How can I become a resource for you to help you when there are questions that arise? about my industry. You know, lawmakers are good at getting elected and they may come from some background at which I'm sure they were good at as well, but they rarely know everything about every industry. In fact, I've never met a lawmaker that knows everything about every industry and they need support. They need to know things about the industry that we work in that they would otherwise never know. And so we need to become a resource. They're not looking for a best friend. They're looking for someone they can rely on that will give them good information to help make better decisions. And that's where we just as American citizens should step in and become resources.
1: Absolutely. So the website again, is it one, one more time hotel act on what is
0: it? hotels, plural H O T E L S act.org hotels, act.org
1: hotels, act.org. Okay, great. Well, we'll put it in the show notes for everybody uh, listening to the Thank podcast you. and um, yeah, get involved. Start local. Well, start all the way up the chain, but figure out who your local people are and 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 go Look, from there. Look, if you know
0: President Biden, he can be your your politician, your doctor. Yeah, there you go. But not if you <laughs> President Biden.
1: I love it. Okay, so just because this is a technology-based podcast, um, what are you seeing out there when you're you're talking to different hoteliers about the adoption of AI? That seems to be the new thing out there. We've got a labor shortage. What are you seeing in the field to try and compensate for some of that? Not all of it, but some of it with with technology and AI in particular.
0: Yeah, we work with some companies that have done a lot of research on this, and I'll just pinpoint one area. Like, what do guests? most often need or ask for at a hotel. Like they walk in, they're in the room, and now they're like, okay, I need to know this, or I need help with this, what are those areas? And so there's some companies out there, they have been able to identify those areas where these are what guests are asking, and there's really simple answers to that. And AI can handle that so that a real human doesn't have to constantly be on the phone answering these simple questions so that those humans especially in, a, in an environment where we have limited access to labor, they can be working on things that are much more important and much more specific to the guests to create hospitality. And that's the beauty of our industry. It really is about the person, the human-to-human touch of hospitality. And so how can AI specifically answer the common questions to allow the get the real humans to answer the unique questions? And I think that is right out of the gate where AI can be very helpful and is being very helpful. The second part, and this has changed a lot during the pandemic. If you went back pre-pandemic, housekeeping was basically seven to three every day. Someone left a room and the housekeeper would clean that room, right? You really only need a room cleaned, not when the guest leaves, but before the next guest arrives. That's the key, right? And so does it have to be done during those strict time periods? And now with technology and a better understanding of when guests are arriving, when guests are leaving, you are able to schedule your workforce in a way that is much, much, much more efficient. Gone, in addition to that, is the typical 7 to 3 housekeeping schedule because you now have to reach out to people and say, come to our industry and you tell me what hours do you want to work? If you want to only work Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. because you've got children or you're going to school or whatever, we'll make that work. And having technology be able to identify what the needs are in a way that we previously didn't have access to or didn't really put a lot of effort into, that can help solve a lot of the labor challenges. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just attempting to do more with less, and technology is the key to getting us there.
1: And I think those are really good points. One thing that we see, so we do have one of those apps. Uh, we have a messaging app called Ivy, but it sixty percent of it's AI. So you're taking away from the from the hotel staff having to answer what's the Wi-Fi, can I have more towels, what's the room service menu, and giving them more engaging uh, ways to work. And then I think you really hit on it because hotels are twenty four seven. We do have flexibility. So if you if you work for a hotel, there's needs at all times, and 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 people who work for the hotel, if you know how to set it up right for those employees, you can make it more flexible. So,
0: And if you don't, all you're doing, if you think about it, remember I spoke earlier about how do we get a larger share of the pie? When you're not flexible, you're reducing the access to the pie, right? Because you're only going to be able to go after fewer and fewer people because there are many people who can't meet your rigid demands, but if you're flexible, there will be more people that you can gain access.
1: And going back to something you talked about before, just about even at different management levels, different levels of hospitality where there's opportunities for careers, As somebody who's been working in technology for hospitality for over 20 years, I just want to encourage anybody who's out there who's not in the field, what a great (laughs) industry to be in. And once you get in, you don't get out because of kind of what you pointed to before. You might move different jobs, different hotel companies, but the spirit of the industry itself and the people that we work with are really There's nothing else like it. So I just wanted to go back to that comment because it was so cool.
0: I appreciate that. I think that one of the things that we're trying to do in changing the narrative of what it means to work in the hospitality industry, I myself probably say that term more than anybody, hospitality industry. But if you're a young person, young or not, and you're thinking about this, look at it from the perspective of what do you want to do? Like what type of job do you want to do? I can almost assure you that it fits somewhere within the hotel industry. So don't look at it as I'm joining the hotel industry. Look at it as, okay, I want to be an engineer. You know what? There's tons of engineers that work in the hotel industry. I want to work in marketing. There's tons of marketing jobs in the industry. I want to do accounting. Tons of accounting jobs in the industry. So think about what you want to do. And I can almost assure you it fits into the hotel industry in some capacity. Yeah, that's
1: right. Okay. Well, any last words for our listeners? 2023 is here. We're coming into the spring season. Uh, hopefully, we're going to see some recovery continue. So any any last final thoughts or advice uh, for our listeners out there?
0: Obviously, go stay at a hotel. Go
1: stay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I mean, we do need help spreading that word about the opportunity that's in the industry. We don't have millions and millions of dollars to buy television ads to tell you, hey, come work in hotels. What we do have is, an, as you've noted, an energetic industry that people love. You, you mentioned a moment ago, once you get in, you don't get out. How do we spread that work? How do we say, look, whatever you're doing, apply those skills in this industry, and you're probably going to really enjoy your job? You're going to get access to some really great people to work with, opportunities to travel, unlike most other industries. And so, It's really great to work in the hotel industry, but it's incumbent on us to tell that story. And so it's not just about the wages. The wages are great, but it's more than that. And we've got to be the best ambassadors for our our own industry. And when we do that, we can ultimately change the thought of the average person who doesn't know that much about the hotel industry to say, you know what? I'm going to give that a shot. And when we have more people doing that. We're going to be better off.
1: Well, Chip, it has been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, you if anybody wants more information on AHLA, AHLA where should they go?
0: <laughs> Not just AHLA.com. We've got a great website. and There's tons of stuff on there. Awesome.
1: Okay, you heard it here first. Thank you so much, Chip. Really enjoyed it. And we will talk again soon.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hotel Moment Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, Please like the video and subscribe for more content. For more information, head to hotelmomentpodcast.com. The Hotel Moment Podcast is presented by Revenate and produced by Make More Media.